I can sell anything. The truth is I can sell anything. Is that something you want to make sure you get up front from your client, that he's willing to back his product up with a risk-free? Is that something you discuss before you take him on? No, but that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a great idea. That would set me up for success. And I thank you for the idea because that really that sets me up for success. They have a risk-free proposition that's just unbeatable. So how long does this interview process take between the founder of the company, the salesman, digging for testimonials? This happens over a week, two weeks, or what? Oh, I got a tough job right now. They don't have testimonials. The guy's got a track record like that's just incredible. But they don't have any. And I, I told them, give me names, give me numbers. I will call. We need this. You need this to sell. You know, you need it to make the sale. Yeah, you should put that as a requirement too. Look, if we're going to work together, I'm going to require testimonials. It's just part of the process. Otherwise, we're not going to be doing business. You know, you've got to lay all these things out up front so they know exactly what they're getting into. Thank you for your wonderful ideas. That help, that, you know, really, that's, I mean, it seems so obvious now that we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. Because really, really and it, this, you know, this is just great truth coming out from the, from the innocence of an interview. I can sell anything. The truth is I can sell anything that I, first of all, I have to want to sell it. I have to believe in it. Second of all, if they've got testimonials, that are decent they don't even have to be great and if they have a risk-free proposition I can sell anything what do you think is more important the risk-free proposition or the testimonials I really think the testimonials are more important because we are all just so skeptical it's unbelievable and that testimonials coupled with the risk-free proposition is the best way to overcome any level of skepticism in any prospect. Do it. I guarantee you, I can sell anything. To put that right up front in the beginning of your letter, to let them know up front before they even have time to dump it? Most of the times what I'll do, Michael, is I'll mention the guarantee. I'll make, make mention of it like this, this will work for you or you get your money back. So I don't go into the specifics on the guarantee, mm -hmm. but I always make mention of it. Almost every letter I write, unless it just comes, unless it's going to come across as too hypey for that target market. We've got the interview process done. Is most of your research all done through the interviewing over the phone, or do you do additional outside research? Maybe go to the library, do some research on the internet, look at competition. Do you look at their competition for your research? Oh, absolutely. Have to do that. Yeah. You have to, and you have to do positioning. Like this software car, uh, company recently hired me to write their uh, box copy for a, a product that, that's going into Office Max and Office Depot. Mm -hmm. I told him, look, you, got, you guys aren't even considering the competition here. What, what's up with that? But, you know, you guys are oldest in the business. you got the best reputation. You don't have the biggest name, but you've been, uh, you've been doing this longer than anyone. And you know what you're doing, and it's the most complete package, but you're not even bringing up the competition. Not even mentioning. He's like, wow, I never even thought of that. 
<laughs> I'm like, wow, you really ought to. <laughs> yeah, that's just marketing 101. It's like not 101 to most businesses. It's really not. But to you and I, it's just no-brainer stuff. You have to consider the competition. So, yeah. You've done your interviews on the phone. You've done outside research. Now what do we do? Well, if they've got a killer sales guy, like I mentioned, and I do want to point this out again because it really is a big deal. It's the old concept Gary Halbert introduced eons ago, and probably someone did before him, to record your sales calls. And that gives you your best copy. And so what I do is I get the sales guy on the phone. Ideally, he doesn't know that it's me. Ideally, he just thinks I'm a regular Joe prospect. Gotcha. So you call, you call him up as if you're interested. Right. And you're acting. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And I just say, hey, you know, and I just go through all the crap. I give him a hard time. <laughs> all the toughest objections <clears throat> he could ever think of have to get answered. I tell you, you just get gold, copywriting gold. From he doesn't have a governor on his thought, right. and he's just doing it subconsciously, and, and that's why he's the best. He's just rolling. Exactly. Sometimes salesmen can have an off day. Have you ever had maybe one of those days when you're trying to elicit that stuff and you'll call back again? Oh, yeah. Call and I'll, I'll talk to the next best guy or the next best guy. Then maybe I'll, I'll call a week later. Hey, yeah, you know, I have some more questions for you about that. I want to put them through their rigors. I want to make them go through their sales process to get me closed. And a lot of times it's, it's really fun because... A lot of times I really am interested enough to the point where I would consider buying this. What do you do with those recordings? Do you have someone transcribe them out or do you do it yourself? I do it myself. I just go through them. So you record them on a digital thing or a tape player or what? Well, I've just been doing a tape player, but I'm, I'm interested to find out how you're doing it. And You know, I just do a tape player. And what happens when I'm transcribing that... There's sometimes it's very boring and tedious. You're integrating everything, though. Yeah, but I'm going through and feeding the subconscious. And sometimes, and this is always really exciting, sometimes I'll just get flashes of headlines, flashes of copy pieces, closers, you know, things like that. I love it when that happens. And it happens fairly consistently. I've been, I've, been, I've been avoiding working on this current client that I told you was going to be difficult because they don't have testimonials. I've been avoiding doing the transcript. Because <laughs> it's real work. Uh, it's not that enjoyable, you know, just transcribing like that. But but it's an important process. Yeah, and it just helps. It helps or what you can do is you can get a transcriber to transcribe it and then... You know, just like Eugene Schwartz talks about his system, he's got it all typed up, he has it transcribed, and then he goes through it and highlights those important words or flashes, or if you get a headline, you know, idea, you write that down, just do a read-through line by line. That may be less tedious and still somewhat the same thing. Yeah, that's a great idea. Wow. I mean, that's impressive to know that you transcribe these things out word for word yourself. And I pay a transcriptionist to do my recordings, and I know an hour's worth of recording can be 30, 40 pages of text. That's an incredible amount of work. 
but that's all part of the process that your clients are getting. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work, but it just really it really helps me find that zone when it's time to create. All right, so you've got all this transcribed. Now, as you're getting headline flash ideas, are you typing those in or are you writing them down? Yeah, I on type a them in right alongside the transcript. And, and usually what I'll do is I'll do a quick format, you know, to make it look like a headline if it's a headline idea. I'll just, I'll just highlight it and make it a larger font size. All right, you've got a series of three or four interviews all typed in. Then what do you do? I'm usually able to identify as I'm transcribing what's the killer stuff. It's all bold back. I'm just typing. <laughs> and, and the key points, the hot points, are obvious. I mean, they're just totally and completely obvious to me. The key points that need to be brought out. And what I'm looking for is things about the prospect's pain, okay? I'm looking for big benefits. I'm looking for maybe what you might call hidden benefits, things that aren't so obvious to the company that are probably a big deal to the client, you see what I'm saying, to their customers. Let me interrupt you because that brings me to a point. We've talked about interviewing the salesman. Is this part of your research, in asking for customers and interviewing an, a buyer of the client's product? Yeah, I do that. Not every time, but on a difficult project like the one I'm on right now would, yeah, absolutely, and I do. You can learn the points of pain and things right there from the interview also. Oh, yeah, this, and this is a great point, and this is a good time to bring it up. Sometimes when they do have testimonials, it's just killer to go through those testimonials because those customers write some of the best doggone headlines on the planet. I mean, it's amazing. I'll pull out a headline. It may not be the headline, but sometimes it is. Right from a testimonial. Right from the testimonial. I really love the pain. And I know a lot of guys like to say, oh, that's, that's too negative. You shouldn't open a letter with a negative. Mm -hmm. You know, you shouldn't be negative in your letter. But no, no, no. <laughs> I love prying in to the prospect's pain. Sign me up. You know, I'm all over that. Pain is a larger motivator than... That's right. Pain's a bigger motivator than the benefit. So what are you going to do? A benefit-pulling headline or a pain-related headline? Majority of the time, I'm doing pain. So unless there's just this really huge benefit that is really obvious, I'm focusing on the pain. So you're looking for pain? You're, you're bolding? You're looking for headlines? Are you writing the letter now? Oh, sure. It's, I wouldn't say... You know, I wouldn't separate the two. You know, it's just part of the deal, man. It's just part of what I do. Do you do a headline at one time, the opening at one time, the closing at one time, the order card at one time, the body? How do you work that out into this whole process? Okay. After the interviews and the transcription and some brainstorming obviously goes on there. Because if I hit on a headline during the interview, I might stop and brainstorm some more headlines based on that same theme. But the first thing I do is I get the offer in writing. I want to state perfectly clear what the offer is because that's my target. That's my goal. That's where I'm taking them. And I have to be perfectly clear about what the deal is so that I can sell the deal. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm going to write the offer first. And it may evolve. It may unfold. It, we add, may add payments. We may add bonuses, we make this, that, and the other, but the offer is essentially 
here's what you get, here's the guarantee behind it, and here's how you pay for it. Do your clients give you some flexibility in that, or do the clients... I don't care if they do or not. I just assume it, and I say, here's what I'd recommend. Mm-hmm. Are you recommending price points, too? Yeah. Yes, I do. Actually, you know, Based on my experience, I would recommend that you do this, consider that, not do this, not say it that way. And most of the time, I'm uh, telling them to change the guarantee, send it, make it longer. Almost always, always, always have to do that. If you get the headline, you'll handle that. Then you start with the offer. And then what? Then I'll really get serious about brainstorming the headline. And uh, I'll just buckle down. Because, you, you know, it's all there. It's all in the subconscious, man. It's already been, I've listened to it, I've done the research, I've listened to the interview two or three times, transcribed the doggone thing, took notes, etc., etc. It's all in there. It's all <laughs> it's all upstairs, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of creatively splitting those wrists and letting it all flow. So the first thing I, I like to have let flow is the headlines. Headlines are easy for me, I guess you could say. They're, well, are they ever really easy? I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just have fun thinking about it. If it's a product I like, I do. I, do, I just have fun. It's just fun. You're talking about some hesitancy with this product because you don't, you're not really into the product. I mean, is that something you think about before you take on a product because you're investing so much time in it, maybe not to take something on that you're not into? Yeah, yeah, I'm really hesitant. I mean, this one's stock market related. So I just thought, oh, hey, I'm into that. I can do this. But they're just weird. <laughs> it's just it's the inner circle club. Newsletter subscriber base. So in that respect, it's going to be pretty easy because I know how to sell these inner circle clubs. But it's just that, come on, man. I need some evidence. What they're doing, they're just assuming that these people love this guy and they're just automatically going to sign up. And I'm saying, look, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. We need testimonials from happy people who've made money following your advice. And we're going to put those in the letter. And that way we have price justification when we say it's a grand, you know, or it's five grand or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We have some price justification. Look, this guy made five grand on one trade. Now, that's price justification. And here's his testimonial telling you exactly what he did and how he did it using my advice. Do you think that's one of the most effective ways to get price justification in your offers through testimonials? I think it's a very clever way. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It's a great point. It's unstated. You're not coming out and having to prove the, the price. You're letting your past customers it's for you. I mean, it, you, it, there's nothing wrong with coming right out with price justification. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, why not use the implied endorsement? And let's talk about some price justification for your copywriting services. Do you have some specific examples that you can tell me about? Some results? <laughs> sure. Back in my earlier years, Mike Inlow hired me to sell his atom bomb uh, internet marketing course it's, you know I've got a couple of the atom bomb seminars here on my shelf yeah <laughs> well I wrote a 16 page sales letter and that brought in over 2.5 million for Michael 2.5 million dollars with that sales letter yeah and he paid me 3,500 dollars for it oh my god 
That's incredible. How how long ago was that? That must have been back in the early 90s. Yeah, exactly. Who did he mail that out to? Was that his list? Uh, he did endorsements, uh, I think, with uh, Abraham and Halbert and Nicholas. You know, he did JVs with, with those gentlemen, I do believe. That's incredible. That's really incredible. And then uh, another uh, one of my uh, successes I really enjoyed was with Robert Allen. You know, the New York Times best-selling author, he made uh, $52,682 in 30 days, filled the seminar to overflowing, and of course, you know him, he's a sales master on stage, so that's just what he made to fill the seats, and then of course, you know, he sold a truckload of stuff at the seminar. So you filled the seats for him with your direct mail letter? Yes, in 30 days. Was he mailing that out to his list? Yeah, he mailed it to his list, that's correct. And that's Robert Allen, the nothing down guy. That's right. That's a pretty big client there. <laughs> He's a great guy. Did you make a percentage on that back end on that one? or you No, don't... you know, back in the early days, um, I really didn't think I was worth it. That's the bottom line on that. You know, I didn't think I was good enough yet to ask for that. How about now? You think you're good enough to ask for that now? <laughs> well, yeah, let's just say I ask a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's great. What's another one? Well, a couple of recent examples. Uh, one would be uh, Frank Kern. Uh, Frank's an internet marketing genius. He really is into the niche marketing arena quite a bit. But uh, he made uh, $98,838.35 in, in 83 days with a uh, letter I did for him. And that's not counting back in revenue and repeat businesses. What was he selling? a $97 course, so that's a lot of sales. Wow, and was that one of your internet clients? Yeah. He said that, that the uh, letter actually brought in more, but that that's all he could account for. That's all he knew, you know, he's got concrete proof for. Will internet sales copy work just as well as letter copy on paper? Absolutely. Why? Because human nature is human nature. It's human nature, as uh, Jay Abraham is fond of saying. Mm -hmm. People are people, and they they buy the same way. In fact, I've found it's easier to get sales on the internet. You know, as long as you've covered your credibility issues and proven that what you're offering really, proven as well as you can, what you're offering really can benefit the prospect's life. What's another story? Yannick Silver had me write. 24-page letter to sell a $15,000 apprenticeship program. He's on his third go-around. He's doing his third apprenticeship program using the same exact letter. And I have a testimonial just from the first time he used it. You got it in front of you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just have an excerpt of it here. First, before Brian and I personally met, I studied and devoured his Ad Magic course one of the Bibles of copywriting. But now I know Brian firsthand because I've hired him and he has made me over $100,000 on a single letter. Investment in a copywriter is really, even if you paid $25,000, all of these people at least doubled their money. <laughs> You're not going to take a sure loser. You're only looking for those sure winners. So when you look at your odds, there's no 100% guarantee, but the odds from your experience and by looking for a quote-unquote setup, 
the odds sure are better than the stock market. Oh, yeah. Now, I know uh, Yannick's very conservative. He doesn't like to hyperbole things. But the fact of the matter is, I think it took 15 people in each apprenticeship deal. So if you did that and you add up those numbers, they're actually quite a bit more than that. I don't know that I have permission to talk in great detail about that because Yannick is a copywriter. I, I think he wants to be a little little more tight-lipped about it. Are any other ones you can think of? I've got current clients put together a sales letter for him that was 24 pages. We mailed it to 16,000 of his non-buyers, and out of 16,000, price point being 864 bucks, we sold $1.52 million worth. And that was to people who chose not to buy? Yeah, that this was like a uh, follow-up mailing saying, hey, what's going on? You said you were interested. What's the deal? How come you haven't bought yet? And, of course, for 24 more pages, we justified and... Was that from one follow-up? What about a second or third? One mailing, one follow-up, and believe it or not, the client got tired of mailing. We didn't want the hassles of mailing anymore. Brian, you've got to get with your attorney and redo your contract and put what we talked about in there. Yeah. You can re-listen to it when we talked about it on the interview. And that's fair. They'll sign it at the beginning because they want your services. You know? Yeah, and it is fair. Fair. You should have the rights to do those mailings if they get tired. That's unbelievable. Look, you've got the letter written. You've got your offer written. What do you do? Are you going to send me a rough draft before the final draft? Or are you going to send me a draft that you think's ready to mail first? What's the process? If they're in a hurry and a rush, and I can sense that they're getting impatient, I'll just send them a draft. I'll say, first draft, you know, look over and make sure it's the direction you want me to take. <laughs> you send it hard copy or electronically? No, I just send it email. And you wait to hear back from them? And then they'll come back and they'll say, well, we just think it's too harsh. We just think you need to calm down. There's too much energy. It's too hypey. I hear that a lot. And you know what? I don't change a thing. If, it, if they think it's too hypey and it's really not, I don't change a thing. I just say, okay, well, good. That's good feedback. That's good to hear. That's good feedback. And then what I do is I just count on the final draft as being so kick-butt that they just couldn't possibly say anything about it. And that's something I've thought when I've read, you know, maybe some of Halbert's letters or stuff. It does sound hypey, but let's talk about that. Hypey work? What would you say? Well, to me, there is a fine line, and you risk losing readership when you get too hypey. But there's a difference in my mind if it's the right prospect reading it, you know what? He's not going to feel that this is hype. He's going to feel that this is passion. You know, really what you've got to do is know your prospect and know what their limits are in terms of what you might consider hype. Someone who says it's hype is probably not an interested party in exactly. the product. Exactly, right. But to a guy who's passionate about it, you couldn't talk too hypey about a subject that he's passionate about. Yeah. That's a great point, and that's all putting yourself in the shoes of the prospect. You bet. We, you know, we talked a lot about that, having the empathy and the heartfelt compassion for your prospect. That's all part of it. you got to speak their language. 
and that's what I really think where your passion should flow out of is from your prospect's passion they're super duper passionate about whatever it is they're interested in you know look at me and my music here I you know I've spent probably tens of thousands of dollars on gear and equipment for recording and writing songs I've got bookshelves full of books and courses on recording technique and audio processing and how to write lyrics and how to write melodies okay have I ever once sold a song uh, no now I have done some radio jingles and and videotape music for corporate videos and things like that mm -hmm. but all in all I've probably made 3,000 bucks with my music okay but I'm just so enamored with the idea and I just love creation of the music so much. I mean, after you'd think after spending tens of thousands of dollars, a guy would think, well, gee, it's time to get serious and start to make some money with this. No, it's not about the money. It's about fulfilling a passionate desire, which is just to create music. And by the way, if I sell some, I'll be tickled pink. But, you know, my greatest satisfaction comes from just doing it. And I can't read enough on the subject. I cannot read enough. And so if someone wants to sell me anything that has to do with writing songs, playing the guitar, playing the keyboard, playing the drums, you know, recording music, processing the music, mixing the music, I'm all ears. You know, every time I go to Barnes & Noble or Borders, that's the first section I check. I check. Any new books? Any new books? <laughs> mm -hmm. I, you know, at least twice a week, I'm on the internet. Any new courses? Any new books? Mm -hmm. Any mo any new things? I, and that's what a, a really passionate prospect is like. They want to be sold. Now there there is a line that you cannot cross, and that's called honesty. <laughs> to me, hyperbole is lying. Mm -hmm. It's and it is and, and another part of hyperbole is yelling and screaming. At the, at the prospect and how do you yell and scream from the paper or from the screen well you use consistently uppercase letters with exclamation points after each sentence if you've got three lines where the sentence is nothing, nothing but uppercase and you got exclamation points you're yelling at me nobody likes to be yelled at it may not even be perceived as hyperbole but it's perceived as, hey, this guy's getting a little intense with me here. <laughs> and it's going to push the prospect, the reader, back. Yeah, yeah. So based on their feedback, you will make additional changes or work on it more? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at factual things. I'm looking to hear factuals mostly, and I tell them that. You know, did I get a fact wrong here? Did I get a, a statistic wrong there? I just want to make sure that what we're saying is the honest truth. Let's talk about that real quick. Is there any liability on your part if you're creating a letter, they've hired you, but even though you're the force behind the sales with the, with the sales letter, is there anything that you're concerned about liability-wise to keep you out of trouble? I never have been concerned. I never, I never have, no. I mean, in my contract, it does mention things to that. You want to make sure that the facts are correct. 
and some of the statistics, I'll just throw in there and I'll say, hey, I need this statistic. Can you get me this stat? You see what I'm saying? So, you know, I'll just make up a statistic, but I'll put in a little note and say, hey, we got to, uh, you know, we need this. We need this stat, and I can't find it anywhere. And you guys probably have access to industry journals, things that I don't have access to. Are you mainly dealing with the founder of the company? Or are you? Yeah, you I hate it when I don't, to be honest with you. I would rather not do the deal if I can't have direct access. I would rather, I'd just rather say, nah, never mind. You don't want to be dealing with some marketing manager. No, I really don't. First of all, the marketing manager just doesn't have the passion. Got your feedback? You present them the, the final letter. You send it hard copy or email the final one? I email it, yeah. What happens then? You're pretty much finished until they do their job, right? I may have to do some rewrites or rewrite this section or rewrite that section. Yeah, for the most part. This is great that we've gone through the whole process. And so now I would know if I hired you pretty much the process that you're going to do for me. Tell me about one of the biggest screw-ups on one of your uh, copywriting jobs, the failure. The one that bugs me the most. (laughs) How about that? Okay. The one that bugs me to this day was the Mothers at Home magazine. Somebody was trying to launch uh, Don Lysefsky, and to this day I wish I could talk to the guy. And uh, what was it? What was it? A, a magazine? Yeah, for Mothers at Home. You were going to launch this magazine? Yeah, and a launch. That's pretty tough. And it was just, it was just rough all the way around. I never should have took the project. I just wanted to help so much. They they had such a noble cause. What do you think went wrong with the whole project? I think because they didn't have to pay that much money, they didn't have enough trust in me as a professional to just, you know, I'm not too egotistical. You'll make changes for the clients even though you know inside it's not going to benefit them. Yeah, I won't now. But I was. I, I certainly was that way. How many did they mail? Not a lot. Uh-huh. It was a very small time. And okay. I'm sure the Internet's been a real blessing to their, uh, I guess you'd call it maybe a mission that <laughs> they're on. But all I know is it, it bombed because they just got so controlling. They wanted to change this. They wanted to change that. And they wanted to. They didn't like the way that talked about this subject or this or that. They were. It was. They were just way too persnickety about every little thing. It was really annoying. And like I said, they just didn't have the faith that it takes to just trust a professional to do his job and to do it, do it right. I want you to tell me who you're willing to work with and give me some idea of what conditions, meaning I'm willing to work with you if this, 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 and this, but if you're this, this, and this, and this, I'm not interested. Well, first of all, if you're spending grocery money, don't call me. You know, that's just not wise. Or if you're putting it on a credit card. I, I turned the guy down just it wasn't just less than a month ago. I said, look, you know, I'd love to help you out. Well, how'd it go? How did it unfold? It, the guy the guy just said, uh, he said, well, what's your fee? I know I know you're well worth it. I've uh, heard just nothing but wonderful things about you. And I, I told him my fee. 
and he goes, is there any way I can break that into payment? I said, sure, I'm, I'm flexible on that, no problem. So anyway, next day he calls me back and he says, do you take credit cards? I said, well, I could. I could take credit cards in my PayPal account, but I don't want to take your credit card. I don't think it's a wise gamble for you to put this on a credit card. So anyway, he saw the wisdom eventually. It didn't take him long. And, and that's because of his specific idea and project or because you knew this guy couldn't really afford it and it was almost like a gamble and you know that there's no guarantees in anything. Yeah, it was just straight ahead. I'm not going to put you into debt over something that's at the level of risk this is that. I'm just not willing to. So it was, a, it was really a, a value call on my part. It was it had nothing else to do with the opportunity, the size of the project, where it could go, mm-hmm. how successful it could be. It was just, I'm not going to put you in debt. So what would you recommend to him? I said, yeah, save up your money. And what I would do if I were you, you can write this copy, my friend. You can do it yourself. Get ad magic, study the bejesus out of it, and you can write it. Okay, so don't come to me if you're on your last dollar because I'm going to turn you down. Don't come to me if... You don't have good testimonials or any testimonials. You know, if you don't have testimonials, in my mind, you don't have a business. So that's basically don't come to me if you're a startup. Yeah, you could say that. Come to me if, if you've got an existing business with customers is really something you want to work with. Yeah, and are you making sales already? If so, I don't care how... Are you bringing in consistent income for your business? Is it even if you got sales guys out in the field? If you've got a website, it's making money. Who are you doing it? Is it irrelevant? Let's say I am a startup, and you do decide to do a whole letter campaign package for me for the twenty-four thousand five hundred. But let's say I am a existing business. I've got sales copy or a letter that I'm mailing that's producing X amount of dollars in sales. Is the fee the same, or is it structured differently because you have something to work with? Think of it like this. What kind of client does Jay Abraham take? He takes setups. He takes deals that are surefire, no-brainer. This is going to work. <laughs> it's like the stock guy. He already had 16,000 leads, right? That's a no-brainer. That's called a setup. They're set up to succeed. That's really what I'm looking for. And a guy that's got a, a great product but just doesn't have a sales process, which is really what copywriting gives you, you know, they ought to come to me. Because I guarantee, you know, if you've got testimonials, great proposition, I could sell anything. Don't you have a guarantee? My guarantee is she is conditioned upon you doing what I say, first of all. Second of all, I guarantee to rewrite your copy as much as it takes to make it a success if you're going to actually do what I recommend. But you got to do it. If someone's not willing to do it, don't even bother calling. Yeah. If you're not going to take action, if you're not going to mail the copy, if you're not going to run the website, <laughs> if you're not going to run the ads, don't bother. If you have a copywriting project or a direct response or direct mail campaign that you'd like to discuss with Brian, 
Please email your name and your phone number in a short description of your project to brian at hardtofindseminars.com. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at hardtofindseminars.com. And Brian will get back with you shortly. It's Michael with Michael Sunoff's HardToFindSeminars.com in another bonus tip. How would you like to turn your $28 book or ebook or even a concept in your head into a $3,900 information product? I'll provide you the secrets on how to do this if you'd like a completely free 30-day trial of my system for turning your simple book or even just a concept in your mind into an information product that you can sell for $97. or even as much as $3,900 or more. This system includes a whole range of tricks and tips to help you pack your audio program full of great stories that take control of your listeners' brains. My information product creation system comes with my personal guarantee that you'll create an information product worth from $97 to $497 that's designed to sell like hotcakes. This is a 30-day free trial. If you'd like information on this, please email me at michael at hardtofindseminars.com. In the subject line, write in all caps, $28 book, and I'll email you information on how to turn your $28 book or even a concept in your mind into a $3,900 information product. Hi, this is Michael Senoff with Michael Senoff, hardtofindseminars.com. Here is another bonus tip and a valuable service that I offer to select clients. If you can talk into an ordinary telephone, you can be selling your own high-priced audio programs in as little as seven days. This is the easiest way on earth to create a series of powerful audio recordings for your own information product. I call you on an ordinary telephone and interview you live on a series of related hot topics about your niche subject. I take care of all the editing, all the technical stuff, and I give you the finished MP3s or WAV files and audio transcripts. I only have time to give this deluxe personalized service to a few more carefully selected clients. If you're interested in developing and creating your own valuable information product that you could have complete in as short as seven days and be selling for as high as $300, $500, even $3,900, please contact me at michael at hardtofindseminars.com. In the subject line of your email, please write info product information in all capital. Make sure I have your name and a way to contact you by phone and we can talk about your specific ideas. Or you may call me at 858-274-7851. Hi, it's Michael Sinoff here with another bonus tip from Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. It's called an audio infomercial. Your audio infomercial, which I create for you, will sell more products of yours faster, easier, and for less cost than any conventional advertising method, and I guarantee it 100%. Imagine catching yourself at concert pitch talking about what makes your business or your product service unique, what makes it special. Imagine taking a professional recording of that 
perfect sales presentation that I create for you in giving it to your prospect as an audio CD or an internet download from your website. I can do this for you faster than you ever thought possible with my personalized audio informational recording service. If you're interested in this unique service, please contact me at michael at hardtofindseminars.com. In the subject line of your email, in all capitals, write audio infomercial, and I will get back with you with more information. Hi, it's Michael Sinoff here with another tip from Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. This tip is one that is dear to my heart. And the reason why is because I know what a difference it can make for your business. It has to do with editing your audio recordings. If you are using audio online or offline to sell, market, and educate your prospects, this tip will be the most important tip you ever hear from me. Editing your audio content before you publish it to your site simply gets better results compared to unedited audio content. Think about this. A new song on the radio may be in the editing studio for months before it's released to the public. A new movie may take years in the editing process before it's released to the big screen or on DVD. Well-written sales letters, online promotions, books, and commercials are all meticulously edited to perfection before they are released. You would never dream of releasing an unedited version of any of these sales vehicles. So why would you publish unedited audio? Unedited audio content is abandoned by the listener faster, it produces less sales for you, and it actually destroys your credibility as a publisher. So why are we seeing so much unedited content proliferating the Internet? The reason is simple. There are very few people who offer audio editing services who know what they are doing. Editing audio is kind of like plastic surgery. It's part skill and part an art form. You need someone with both the skill to do it and someone who understands marketing and selling. A poor result can be gained by both a skilled surgeon as well as a good technical editor. Who you choose to do your audio editing can be one of the best investments in your business. At hardtofindseminars.com, we have been editing online and offline web content for six years. We have perfected a proprietary editing system that has been proven to get your customers to listen to your audio content longer and to listen to it more often, resulting in more sales for you more often, and with clean, edited audio, you can demand more money for your products and services. It's just like in life. You only have one chance to make a first impression. Every time you release and publish unedited audio content, you are projecting a poor, sloppy, I-don't-care attitude that turns your prospects off. Do your prospects a favor. Service them. Give them your best. Do them a favor by giving them professionally edited audio messages, interviews, teleseminars, and selling promotions by editing your audio. We provide full audio editing services that are fast and at a reasonable rate. We know that editing your audio content can easily pay for itself 20 times over. Call me, Michael Sunoff, for more information at 858 858- 
274-7851. I'll spend some time on the phone with you. We'll determine what audio content you're publishing. I'll be glad to offer you a free consultation on my ideas. I'll review some of your audio, and together we'll come up with a solution that gets you better results. Thanks for listening. Here is another bonus tip from Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. Did you know that I have about 25 hours of exclusive consultations on my audio clips page, letter G? If you go to HardToFindSeminars.com, go to the audio clips section. This is a section where I have over 117 hours of audio interviews. Page G is nothing but consultations on information product development. You have over 25 hours of me giving my best advice on how to create, develop, produce, market, and sell audio information products. Go to page G if you want to learn how to create and market your own information products. Enjoy. There's an interview in the section of the audio recordings at Hard to Find Seminars. It's with a business buying expert. His name is Art Hamill. If you go back to my site, hardtofindseminars.com, and go to the product section, along the left side in light blue, you will see a list of topics. Look for the one that says business buying. Click on that link, and you'll be taken to about seven hours of exclusive interviews with Arthur Hamill. Arthur Hamill has purchased multi-million dollar businesses, over 200 of them in his lifetime, and he will tell you how to do the same thing. It's some fascinating content, and I wanted you to know about it. Here's another tip. It has to do with podcast. Did you know that not only are all 187 hours of my audio recordings available for free online at my website, hardtofindseminars.com, but each one of these audio recordings is also in the form of what's called a podcast. A podcast is a simple way for you to digitally and automatically subscribe to online and new recordings and have them downloaded into your mobile audio player, like an iTunes, iPod, or any other digital audio playing device. But the way you find my recordings on podcasts is by going to one of the number one sites called iTunes. iTunes is a virtual library for music, spoken word, and podcasts. The music and spoken word audios you'll pay money for, but the podcasts are absolutely free. And you can subscribe to my podcast. All you do is go to iTunes. You'll automatically download the iTunes software, and then you will search Michael Sinoff in the subject line, and you will find most of my audio recordings right there available for you to download. This is great if you're on the road or you're on another computer, and if you have a mobile device, it'll automatically suck them right into your digital MP3 player, and you can take any of the audio recordings on the road with you. They'll also automatically notify you of any new recordings that I post as podcasts. Also, if you search through Google or Yahoo or any of the major search engines, Michael Sinoff.
percent off, and then podcast, you'll find other resources with other podcast search engines that host my podcast. I hope this helps, and if you're a podcast listener, I think you'll be happy about this. So go over to iTunes and download the iTunes software and search Michael Senoff, and you'll have all my audio recordings available for you right there. If you'd like to hone your skills as a copywriter, I have available for you the largest collection of one of the all-time master copywriters. His name is Claude Hopkins. Do a search on Claude Hopkins or go to my website, ClaudeHopkinsAdvertising.com. Claude Hopkins was one of the founders of Modern Day Advertising. He was one of the all-time legends in the industry. And myself and a partner have authored a book called the Claude Hopkins Advertising Collection. We have also searched thousands of newspapers to pull out all his classic ads. He's been responsible for building companies like Pepsi and Toothpaste, Palmolive, Schlitz Malt Liquor, many household products like puffed wheat cereal that you're still using in your kitchens today and he was a master and a genius behind this. He was responsible for many of the cars we drive today like the Oldsmobile. Go check it out. ClaudeHopkinsAdvertising.com If you want the ultimate in education on how to write copy you cannot pass this up. So go on over to ClaudeHopkinsAdvertising.com and learn from the best. Here is another bonus resource for you, and it's about a section on my site that has about 15 hours of audio interviews with copywriting experts, including Brian Keith Voiles, including Carl Galletti, including Eugene Schwartz. You will not find this content anywhere. It'll take you to an entire collection of audio recordings, MP3 downloads, and transcripts of some of my best interviews on the subject of copywriting. You'll be able to play them, download them, print the transcripts, and it's a collection you will not find anywhere else. If you want an education on copywriting, you will not find anything better than this. If you go back to my site, and in the products page, along the light blue section down on the left, you're going to see another link that has a lot of value, and it all has to do with joint ventures. Go to that page, and you're going to hear about an offer on a joint venture system like no other. If you read the letter there, it'll describe all the benefits, and the offer is virtually risk-free, meaning you can order my joint venture system, have it sent to you without paying a dime, have 30 days to review it, to digest all the information, and only if you're happy with it after 30 days. Do you pay? It's an offer you can't lose on, and if you're enjoying this content, you're really going to love what I have waiting for you on the joint venture link at the products page at hardtofindseminars.com. Go check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it.